Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Real View Podcast. I am your host, Blaine Ward. We're back with another episode, another returning guest, my buddy Brett. Brett, man, how's it going? Good to have you back. I'm great to be back, man. How you been? You know, I'm doing well, doing well. Thriving. We got a lot to talk about. I'm excited. But first of all, I've betrayed you, and I have betrayed you <laughs> to the fans of the pod as well. Um, if you all remember back when I had uh, Brett on, I forgot <laughs> to do my intro with Brett and ask him his favorites, and it was a whole process, and it was bad. But now... <laughs> You know, they've been waiting, really. This is the moment that they all been waiting. <laughs> um, waiting if you would like to... Episodes. Right. In order to get a sense of taste from you, uh, Brett, what are some of your favorite movies and directors? Uh, so, so, Easy Top 5, uh, Monty Python, School of Rock. Uh, you have, like, Blues Brothers, The Big Lebowski in there. And then, like, number one of all time is... Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit and then like yeah. favorite directors. I it's like, he's not up there in the top five, but Kevin Smith is easily my favorite director. Yeah. I love uh, Quentin Tarantino. I love anyone who's like really strong with dialogue. Yeah. Uh, one of which we'll be talking about a little bit later. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not to give away anything. I mean, unless you listen to the title and you know, but you know, right. Hard keys right there. Damn straight. Um, now, did you, real quick, did you see the uh, Clerks 3 picture that was uploaded today? Yeah. Wow, dude. The the kid who, pl- like, played the, like, long-haired dorky kid wh- whose name's escaping me right now, the character name, he got, like, fat. Like, yeah. no no hate, but, like, he looks a lot different. It was definitely, I had to take a long, hard look at him to make sure it was the same guy, and yeah, it yeah. is. Hey, it's nice that they brought back Rosario Dawson, you know? it's good. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, no, I I knew she would be on board like as soon as they made this announcement. All right. these people just love working with Kevin so much. It's not even a question. The, yeah. the whole project kind of like sat on the fact that Jeff Anderson was like not on the greatest terms with Kevin and then they mended that and now right. they can go about making this movie. Right. Right. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be hype. I'm excited for it. Um all right. So we got a ton of stuff to talk about today. Uh, but let's just get right into it. Um, Marvel's new show on Disney Plus, What If, the anthology uh, animated show that they have. Each episode is its own different scenario. Um, now, I'll be honest, when they started announcing Marvel shows, this was the one I was most excited for. Um, Same. Literally top of my list. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm big- all right. This looks. This is like just such a good idea, you know. Like, it's super unique. It allows them to tell all the stories that they couldn't normally fit into like this more grounded movie universe that they have. And just I'm I'm the big animation boy. I love love a good animated film, a good animated series. Right. And like as soon the first after the first image we saw of like the animation style, I was sold. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally sold. Yeah. And I I I'm I'm. I'm on the record, uh, the first episode that dropped, um, and by the time this comes out, the second episode will be out, but, you know. We, Can't, we, I'm li- I'll literally be up till 2 a.m. tonight. Can't <laughs> out wait. Out of boy, out of boy. I mean, I'm sure it'll be did great. You, did you see which one to be the next episode? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's the T'Challa Star-Lord one, right? It is the T'Challa Star-Lord one, so yeah. I'm going to have one hell of an emotional night. If you I know, me. it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Ooh. Um but the first episode that dropped was the uh, what if uh, Captain Carter, if Peggy Carter uh, had taken the place of Steve Rogers in the super serum machine all the way back in the 1940s. Um, 
And I had to say, like, this was a lot. Now it's just a lot of fun. I mean, you know, oh, it's, basically, it's basically a do-over of Captain America, the first Avenger. And I love Captain America, the first Avenger. And all the feels I had during that, I had during this. It was just a lot of fun. It was a fun concept that I enjoyed. I also think Captain America, the first Avenger is easily the most like underrated of the MCU <laughs> films. I love what Joe Johnston did with that movie and the style and right. the like 40s, like campy serialness that like he added into it. The man literally um, did the Rocketeer. Like, that is the perfect step right. up to bat for First Avenger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, dude, I love this episode. As soon as it started, I ha- I got total Twilight Zone vibes. Like, the Owatsu the Watcher, the Jeffrey Wright narration felt just like a tee-up for a Twilight Zone es- episode. And then they even come back around at the end with the more, like, with the additional narration at the end. So I'm like, ooh, this is... Like, this is hitting so many notes for me because I love the Twilight Zone. I love all those old Twilight Zone episodes. Right. This is going to lean to me more on, like, Marvel's kind of Twilight Zone Black Mirror sort of thing where it's like, right. gonna be, we're just going to give you random stuff. And I'm all for it, you know? And this was, it was a fun concept, but they still have the fan service in there for people who, you know, have paid attention to uh, the movies and stuff like that to kind of point fingers and go, hey, I know what you're doing there. Yeah. You know, all that stuff was fun. The idea to make Steve Rogers like the the first Iron Man, incredible. I was so on board for that. The Hyde Stomper. I love that. It felt like the like the Mark One Iron Man suit we saw in Iron Man the original movie, but like actually like mixed with a World War II tank. Right. And the design was it was amazing. I loved I, the the animation style. Just blows my mind. It's, it's like beautiful it is, to look at. It's this slick like 2d 3d hybrid am- animation it's a little bit uh like the into the spider-verse animation but not but still quite unique in its own way yeah and i just thought the way the action flowed through it like the scene where it's the old like timey uh, 20s music and you see peggy carter jump off of the hydra stomper through a plane beat up guy it's like all one shot yeah. And then jump off the plane. I thought all of that looked so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was impressed by what I was watching. Um, they seem they seem to have a good animation team with them. And I'm excited to see like how they take because Captain Carter, I imagine this is like and I, I, I don't know all of the other what the other episodes will be because I kind of don't want to know. I know the Tatarish right. Island one's coming, but like this seemed like a more like normal one. And I'm sure they're just gonna get crazy with it as it goes on. Um and I'm excited to see like what the animation will look like when we deal with I know Doctor Strange is gonna show up at some point and mm-hmm. the T'Challa Star Lord is obviously gonna have Guardians vibes. But I'm excited to see like what they do with the animation and just like how good it's gonna look when we're dealing with all this crazy concepts. I mean, I from what I've seen in the trailers, I think it's 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 all going to look just spot on. And I I mean, this is kind of like the Marvel's like high budget attempt at doing like a Clone Wars series like Star Wars, where it's like canon, but it's still an animated universe. But you're still you're supposed to feel like you're still within the same universe. That's why I thought it was so smart to get as many of the like original back to voice the characters like as many as they could. They didn't get. Uh, Chris Evans, which is a bummer, but the guy they got, I think his name, I put his name down. It is Josh Keaton. Uh, he did a great he did job. A fantastic job. It yeah. sounded a, a lot like Captain America. Right. And then I like, I like that with Tommy Lee Jones, they just like killed this character dead. <laughs> and they brought in, uh, uh, what's his name? Bradley Whitford. Yeah, they brought in Bradley, Bradley Whitford. Whitford. I'm like, I love this guy. Cool. He's a, he's amazing. So like a perfect replacement to like do the kind of same thing where the like, 
oh, this guy can't be the soldier kind of character when they needed to replace them. Right. Uh, and then obviously Ross Marquand, who already had replaced Hugo Weaving, came back for the Red Skull and he did just another fantastic job right yeah i mean all that all the they did a good job with the voice work um i was did they have sebastian stan was he winter soldier again yeah there's like videos on instagram of him doing his little like recording sessions of like when logan came out and you saw uh hugh jackman doing the like grunts in the running right they, right he made a little compilation video of him doing like grunts and like hits and stuff like oh, that. that's, cute. that's cute yeah i mean i i i really liked it i was able to like emotionally catch on to it because i mean it's the same thing as the first avenger and it has the same ending as the first avenger where you know they're they're both separated and you get really sad and you're like oh man you know all that mm-hmm. stuff uh still worked really well and then they just weren't afraid to get weird with it you know they have a giant like tentacle monster at the end i'm like hey i'm all for it this is great you know there's uh there's some deep cut youtube nerds that think that might be like something that'll lead into doctor strange because of something that's been confirmed that i'm i a huge marvel person don't even know like i have no idea what i i I can't even remember the name so i don't know the context (laughs) but they we didn't get the exact same ending to the exact same story because the moment the what if moment really changed the timeline it's not like we got a carbon copy of the movie up until after she made that decision. Right. Like right. it it like all felt super similar up until the decision changed and then we got our new timeline. Yeah. And I like that. If that's the way they're gonna do it, and I think that is where it's like, all right, and this was the decision that changed everything. Like that'll be cool to kind of see you right. with the narration. That would yeah. Yeah. I wonder and then, I wonder if the watcher is gonna play like a bigger role in the series as it goes on or whether he's just gonna be a narration. I have no idea. I'm down for whatever, but it'll be interesting. I I think there is going to be some kind of connective through line. And so I'm going to say potentially like mate, like that. It, it does sound like a good possibility. Right. Like the fact that they teed up that like Peggy is now in modern times with a Nick Fury. I think each episode is going to like lead these characters into a similar level meetup. Right. With all of these what if characters. Yeah. Like you're like your T'Challa Star Lord and your Peggy Carter, Captain America or Captain Carter. Right. Uh, that means cool. which I'm I'm so freaking down for. <laughs> I'm absolutely abs- that is so much what I want. Oh, I, yeah. It's it's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I'd be down for that. Um right. yeah, I mean it was just a lot of fun. It was very funny. Um that moment where uh uh, uh, Winter Soldier, like Bucky, almost falls off the train. He's like, "Oh, I almost thought you ripped my arm off there." I'm like, "Damn it, Marvel!" <laughs> yeah, some of their jokes weren't super subtle, right? But and they he, were. I I still thoroughly enjoyed them, so right. I didn't mind. Right. But yeah, uh, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. I guess. Um, totally. Uh, I the I'll add I'll add one more thing because yeah. I think uh this is like. I watched this twice. I watched this just before we recorded. And I reinforced that I always thought of in the first movie is in the sense of Steve and Peggy's relationship is Peggy falls in love with Steve for who he is, not who he became after the serum because he was always that kind hearted hero. And this, this what if scenario just reinforces that because he never, even without the super serum, yeah. he still steps up and becomes that hero that she can really fall for. And and even in that, especially in that scene where they get interrupted when they're <laughs> like, Barnes stole a Jeep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Their dynamic is still so spot on and their chemistry is still so strong. Right. I, I, I have always said that the most healthy relationship in any of the films, be that, that as poor as they are, 
uh, in any of the MCU movies is Peggy and Steve. I think they're, oh, I yeah. love their I, relationship. I think most people would agree with you on that. I don't know if anyone, I don't know if there's any other love stories in the MCU that everyone's like shipping as hard as the. People love some Tony and Pepper, especially uh, after what, after the events of Endgame. Endgame and they get right. they got their happy ending. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I guess for me, the, the thing is, uh, First Avenger was the first um, Marvel movie I ever saw in a theater. Wow. So that, that was the one that was like, oh, this is the one I connect to. Maybe that's why I have a soft spot for it, but I'll still defend that movie to my grave. Um, but the way that movie ended, you know, with, uh, you know, the, oh, I had a date and it just cuts to black. I'm like, no, uh, no. I think, dude, the one thing that would have made this episode perfect is if they had like did a close up on Peggy and she's like, we won. If she would have said, I had a date, yeah. I might have like exploded. No, I might have, have cried. Been I, so had I had too perfect. It would have been right, too perfect. Right. But then, you know, the watcher had to snap in. Uh, and the other thing that's fun is like they also set up the watcher too, because in uh, Guardians 2. You know, they when the spaceships going through all the different like universes, we see a bunch of like watcher looking, you know, uh, mm-hmm. aliens, and I'm like, hey, there you go. So it's nice that it's yeah, but yeah, that all spurred off of the like fan theory that uh, Stan Lee and all of his infinite cameos <laughs> was the watcher chronologic or chron like taking notes of all the MCU world throughout like the different universes, and right. then they James Gunn was the one who stepped up and was like. I'll finally reference this. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So and he I ended up being like the watcher informant. Right. Yeah. And you're like, all right, whatever. But I mean, Stanley, we'll take it. you know, rest in peace. He's gone now. So I guess they can't uh, I know. really go for that. But still. Um, I'm still glad they said that they're not going to. Yes. Yeah. That mean, in any capacity, which is good on them. Yeah. I mean, if they had the CGI, um, that wouldn't, I, I, that wouldn't feel right. So it's good that they're staying away. Right. They are. Um, yeah, anything else you want to add about what if before we move on? I mean, yeah, no, I, I just, I really love this. I, I think this, uh, like, it, this might be my favorite MCU thing outside of them, like, normal movie feature films. Yeah. Like, it's easily, I know it's only been one episode, but I mean, it's just so unique on yeah. its own that I feel like it's already my favorite <laughs> show. It could, uh, it, I, my opinion could change, but. It's possible. Uh, that would be bad odds in Vegas that my opinion will be changing by the end of this season. Right. Yeah. I'm excited to see what it does. And I know they're going to do multiple seasons of this as well. So the yeah. opportunities are endless. So I'm excited to see what they'll do. Um, yeah. There's oh, there's so many little things in the comics, especially if if you start opening it up to like characters we haven't necessarily seen in the MCU, like maybe right. a like maybe the Netflix characters. Like I would love Daredevil storylines. You know, like a what if capacity. Yeah, that would be most most excellent. Listen, as Bill and Ted would say, if Matt Murdock is going to be in Spider Man Three, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to be like, uh, yes, dude, please. Uh, I know, but people, I, I that's <laughs> a whole conversation in and of itself. That's I hate true. That I don't want to. I don't want to take Spider Man as much as they are. Right. <laughs> I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Not not this time. Uh. Yeah. But yeah. What if? Uh. Check it out. It's on Disney Plus. Um, it's a lot of fun. I'm excited to see where it goes, and uh, we'll keep you updated on uh, on future episodes and if they are good. But yeah, I mean, as far as that goes, it's very solid. Uh, huge recommend from the both of us. Um, yes, where we're at right now. Now, moving on. Um, 
to you and I have both seen some new releases that have come out uh, mm-hmm. this past weekend. Uh, the first of which we'll touch on this. Um, I don't know how quick it'll be, but uh, the Aretha Franklin movie. Uh, Jennifer Hudson is in this, uh, and musical biopic. And uh, I gotta say, Jennifer Hudson, great as always, but mm-hmm. the musical biopic formula. It's starting to weigh me down a little bit. That's that's my sentence review of that. Uh, my, I I just, I love the genre. As cheesy as they are, as formulaic, as cookie cutter as they can be, I mean, you know what you're getting into. Right. And I always love learning about these musicians and I love seeing these portrayals by these amazing actors who really, I think more like, th- there are some bad biopics, but I think for the majority of them, they pick the right people to pl- embody who they're representing. Yeah, the casting's whether, whether, never, that's never the problem. Right. Whether they're singing their se- themselves or not. Right. Uh, but like things like kind of like tweak with the formula and like mess with the, uh, like how these are presented right. are what really get me excited. But in a general sense, I just love going into a biopic, even like and not knowing a lot about the, comings up of these artists yeah especially for musicians right seeing their walk hard style <laughs> formula like rise and fall yeah like every other big musician but then at the end of the film actually going about learning what was accurate and what was not accurate in that film because you got to understand they're going to take liberties here and there because right you have to entertain the people <laughs> you can't just always tell the exact story of someone because like lives are long and <laughs> and kind of boring about, sometimes right right movies can only be about three hours That's before right. people start riding <laughs> right so you get it yeah um I, I i i agree with what you're saying for the most part um I just think my thing is, is like, we've had a lot of them recently. And I think that's why I'm mm-hmm. starting to get a little tired of them. Cause like beforehand in, you know, early 2000, and I, I guess we are in a time frame where we're looking back on great musicians and maybe right. that's why, but like, you know, in the early 2000s, we didn't have a lot of them. And I feel like Bohemian Rhapsody and Straight Outta Compton were like the two that kind of like launched this whole thing because they were both very successful and now all of a sudden we've got like 30 of them and not 30 of them but like mm-hmm. 10 and i'm just getting a little uh, I'm, I'm starting to see the cracks that's all i th- i think you're exactly correct because like straight out of compton and then subsequently bohemian rhapsody those were not only uh critically successful but financially successful right right uh they made a lot of money so studios are like oh this seems to work and like like I said, dude, Rocket Man might be my favorite modern. Yeah, Rocket Man's my favorite too. Biopics, they very that that one is like a like exciting music video mixed with like a just well, Taron Egerton's performance, but he's so good. All this being said, I just every time I go into a biopic, I'm hoping for that little bit, that little touch that makes this biopic unique. And sometimes I don't get it. And like, all I'm getting is like the, the genuinely fantastic performance, like right. what Jennifer Hudson put on as Aretha Franklin. I agree. Uh, but, but I always, I always think it's worth the try. Sure. I, I, I can see where you're coming from. I think the thing that helps me with Rocket Man is like Rocket Man's a lot more of a musical than uh, just a music biopic because like that one's got like show tunes and dance numbers and all that stuff and for me like i'm really into that so that's why i mm-hmm. enjoyed that one um but yeah i mean and, and it's nothing against respect like it is 
by all accounts, a solid movie. Jennifer Hudson's fantastic. You know, she's got the voice of God. Um, every time she sings, like, literal goosebumps. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. At, at some point, the other thing, too, is, like, this was two and a half hours long, and it did not need to be that length at all. Um, yeah. And I I don't know. By the time it was over, I'm like, oh, thank God. And I shouldn't be feeling that way, but, you know, it's a personal thing. Uh, I... I, I like the ending, especially once it got to the credits, because that's one sure. of my favorite, like, actual Aretha Franklin performances right. in the credits is, like, hers at, like, it's the Kennedy Center Honors. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, it was a very competently made movie with a very, very above average uh, lead performance. Yes, yeah. And I didn't like, uh, and I feel like the tr- I, I might have been lied to by the trailers, because the one trailer that I kept seeing was the one that had the Respect song in it. And that trailer had a lot of energy and that scene had a lot of energy, but the rest of the movie I could, I felt didn't have the energy that that scene had. But I mean, that again, personal preference. So I could agree with that because yeah, it was like, it was two, it was definitely, it was slower paced and it was two and a half hours, but I'd, I'd still probably recommend it. Yeah. I mean, check it out if you want. Um, if you're a Aretha Franklin fan, you'll love it. Um, you know, if you're a Jennifer Hudson fan, you'll probably get something out of it, but I don't know. I, Personally, a bit too long, but you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, because of it, I created my own trilogy in my mind. It's the Blues Brothers cameo trilogy. Mm, mm. So you have Aretha Franklin in respect, you have right. James Brown in Get On Up, and you right. have Ray Charles in Ray. So, like, go. I mean, I got to watch Ray next, but I I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's that's honestly that's a good trilogy. They should put that on like a Blu ray right? or something. Yeah, combo pack. Uh, right, exactly. See, you got it. Um, right. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about respect. It's fine. Um, yeah, check it out if you want, or wait till it's out on a streaming service and then watch it there. Because um, the theater I went to, oh boy, uh, everyone was yeah. coughing left and right, and it was very scary. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was wild, out man. there. They were going for it. They were like coughing up a storm, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna get COVID, and it was not. That's fun. better. Th- it's better than your green night experience, but that's we true. That's that. true. I don't want to talk about that because I'll be here all day. Um, oh Lord. Uh, but Hey, I mean, both of those were not at Chesterfield. So, you know, at least, uh, you still got the, I'm saying both of them. Oh, ah, yes. You still got, you still got your streak. Um, anyway, moving on the other new release that we saw, uh, free guy, Ryan Reynolds, directed by Sean Levy. This is, uh, sort of your, Ready Player One meets the Lego movie meets the Truman Show, where Ryan Reynolds is an NPC who uh, becomes sentient and, uh, you know, realizes he's in a video game. Uh, Chaos and comedic uh, escapades ensue. What did you think of Free Guy? Uh, It's a movie. Um, (laughs) I I went in, like, being as original as it is, I I had like pretty low expectations going in for like what I would see. Uh, there were some really funny moments, some great decisions made. There were some weird storyline decisions made. Yeah, I definitely laughed a lot. So the yeah. like actual the charismaticness and the like uh, or charisma of all these actors shine through the right. the kind of basic script that they had. So that was really great. But they were just like subplots and moments that i was just like kind of shrugging at and like questioning uh like the fact that he was like this sentient being that's like encrypted with a code to be in love with this real life girl like the whole (laughs) love spoiler alert 
for the whole like plot of like guy and a real person right. was very confusing to me. <laughs> Did not make sense. Yeah, I don't know exactly how that worked. Um, but yeah, I I will say the standout in this movie for me was uh, Jodie Comer. I thought she was terrific because um, she's kind of playing two characters. Uh, you know, originally when she shows up first in the film, she's kind of this British spy kind of um character Mm -hmm. and then when it's revealed who she actually is she's got like an american accent you know she's one of the developers of the apparently a game that this free city was based off of um i thought there was a lot of complexity to her i thought she was badass i thought she was funny um i thought she did a really good job with ryan reynolds um my thing is it's just i'm not a ryan reynolds fan and i know some of you might crucify me for this but uh I don't know. I, I get it. He's charming, but he's the same in every movie. And it's just, it, it, it kind of hit its peak with this movie. This and Hitman's White Bodyguard in the same summer. I'm like, all right, Ryan, you just gotta, gotta calm down a little bit. I have to disagree with you. Go for it. Go for it. I think I, not that I didn't like the, her performance, but this movie floats and survives on the merit of Ryan Reynolds That's and fair. like That's how fair. he's able to deliver again, this kind of average dorky dialogue right. from this like dorky character the and like is, is really the only saving grace for this movie. I mean, besides the performance from Taika Waititi who had me like laughing the whole time, I <laughs> totally understand if he's not for everyone because it's outrageous and over the top. And yeah, he's, he's going he seems for it like, in that. He seems like a cartoon. I mean, I, I, I here's the thing. Here's the thing. My my biggest issue with this movie, and this is this is full spoiler territory, so if you uh, want to see this movie, go watch it and then come back to this. Um, I, I feel like the whole thing was marketed, and Ryan Reynolds' marketing team is really great. Like they'll they'll mm-hmm. they'll get me to see a movie because you know they just have fun with their trailers and TV spots and stuff like that. A lot of this movie was riding on the fact that it was an original idea, and for the most part, like we haven't really seen this angle to a story before. My problem right. is, and I know this is where you're going to disagree, but I felt like this had everything going for it until the end, and the end completely lost me because I felt like it went a little too hard with the fans service there's a great cameo no 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 there's a great cameo that's amazing but everything after that i felt like was reaching way too hard and it felt the whole i don't know it felt very bow down your corporate disney overlords to me and i'm like oh no we're on this and i got annoyed i mean i do i will admit i do bow down to the corporate disney overlords (laughs) quite a bit sure um when I when I say I like audibly cheered in my empty theater, just me by myself, when I saw Captain America pop up on his on the screen right after the shield and then the Hulk fist and then and the lightsaber the and then the John Williams score. I was like, what? <laughs> Someone just flipped a switch on this movie. That's fair. And I'm like reinvested. Sure. Like the third act was a mess. Absolutely. But those were some of the like most unexpected cameos or cameo. Yeah. I thought, I don't know. I thought it was so great. Right. I literally. I mean, it was was a great A cameo. Great A cameo. 
but right but i as as a whole the movie just was i think structured poorly i thought that besides our performances again we couldn't there there was nothing to get invested in because like like you knew this character is like inside of the computer and they try to make you feel like he's more than just a program but right. like that it never got to that point with me i'm like this dude is in a computer and they're all like, they got Ninja up here talking about like, <laughs> is he really alive? Right. And I'm like, no, he is yeah. not. Cause at least when something like the Truman show, like he's actually a person, you know, and that's right. where like the horror of it comes from. But here's like, high concept. Right here. We're just following a computer algorithm, basically full of ones and zeros. Uh, and I mean, it's Ryan Reynolds, so it's entertaining. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree right. with you. I could never really get into that. And then the other thing too, and this might've been, again, this might this, this is just a personal thing, but the two, there were two like younger like, I want to say teenage girls next to me who were way too emotionally involved in this movie. Um, and when uh, uh, Lil Rel Howery's character, quote unquote, sacrificed himself at the end, like they started bawling. And I'm like, you guys have not seen a movie before. He is fine. He is oh, fine. Yeah. He will be okay. And then he showed up in the end. And I'm like, see, what are you like? I don't know. It just felt. I'm so happy for those for those girls. I know because hey, at least you know what they got they got the absolute most out of this movie, so that's right. great for them. The other thing too is I did wish that this movie ended with um the realization that okay Ryan Reynolds his, the whole guy character was like an algorithm for um um I forget his name Joe Curie. uh Joe Curie's character to hook up with Jodie Comer and the movie yeah I like, can't nah the movie hints. Uh, almost ends with them like making out in the street and it cuts like right before they did that and I was like I was thinking like oh that means such a good place to end it but then no they do like two more minutes of just improv humor with him and Lil Rel and I got angry and I'm like no you could have had like an actual emotional ending but they decided to go with the comic route but whatever yeah whatever we can't all be pleased I think most people will enjoy this but it's just not my again I'm not a Ryan Reynolds guy video game lingo doesn't really do anything for me and the fan service was two steps too far but i don't know i feel like most people wouldn't get a kick out of it i mean uh, uh, touching again on like the, the like taika watiti of it all like there's a lot coming out right now about like blizzard and other like gaming companies like not being the most uh the safest and most like you kind of definitely get that feeling that they wanted to touch on that a little bit yeah. But like again, they I don't think they they made it nearly obvious enough for a lot of people. And I don't know if they that was their totally in their intention, but I think that the way they represented video games was good, I think okay. Good it, enough. It wasn't is, it wasn't it wasn't the worst. Uh I it's sure. anytime and anytime a writer is writing something to do with video games who has clearly not had any video game experience, mm-hmm. that's when I get a little bit uh, peeved. All right, now here's a question. Here's a question. What would you prefer, Free Guy or Ready Player One? Which one did you like better out of Oh, I, I, Ready Player One. I think I, I have to agree. I, yeah. I, I stand that movie hard. <laughs> I actually just finished reading the first book. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I, I was able to like... In, I i think movies before reading the books is always better because mm-hmm. when you read the books you tend to be the like the kind of i stand the book and like all the changes you made for the movie suck blah 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 but when i see the movie first and then i read the book i'm like oh 
this the movie is great, but now the book is slightly different and also great. Right, right. And I mean, and I, that's I, how I felt about like. No, I mean, I that's I, I that's a good uh, counterpoint to you know the book is always better crowd, um, which I always find myself into that because I'm like I just gotta read the book first and I end up being disappointed, which you know is what it is. Um, hopefully, dudes, not no. Let's go. Ah, uh, but uh, right. Yeah, and I, I I see where you're coming from though. And Ready Player One, like the movie and book, are kind of two different things. Which is, I mean, I'm I'm kind of okay with. Oh that. yeah. Um, you know, you can get a different experience out of both. But I see where you're oh, coming from. It's almost like a totally different set of IP. The challenges feel different. They like go to a lot more different worlds. I, I did the same thing with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, my favorite film. I finally got to reading Who Censored Roger Rabbit, which yeah. is like he's not even a TV cartoon character. He's like a comic, comic strip show. character. Yeah. So. I really, I really believe like reading the books is always better after seeing the movie if you can. And you heard. So I might first. do the Dune after first. the movie. Yeah, I hear you. Hot take. Hey, you know, you knew you, man. Uh, and For hey, sure. you heard it here first. Uh, he'll stand by that. Um, now, uh, so the one thing I wanted to bring up is that because of the Delta kind of resurging and kind of taking over, Black Office are looking at Pre Guy, Shang Chi and maybe Venom as kind of like these big, you know, hopefully this will determine whether things are going to kind of come out this fall. What is your, do you, do you think these will do well enough at the box office to get um, movies like Spider-Man and, you know, not, not the HBO Max or Disney Plus premierly, but do you think those three will do well enough to get us our fall movie season? I think uh, it's it's definitely going to waver from st- between the different studios. Yeah. Um, I really I hope that right. the box office stays good. I th- I haven't checked the numbers for Free Guy for its weekend numbers, but I think it's tracking around the same as the Suicide Squad. And the Suicide Squad has like big names, big director, comic book movie, like huge selling point. And I think that one got hurt super bad by the fact that it was completely free on hbo max right um so i think the fact that free guy a like unique just ryan reynolds vehicle is doing as well as it's doing currently uh is a good sign but we'll have to see what kind of drop off it has this second weekend yeah because there's there's really not much coming out besides maybe Candyman, shang chi or the last two of the summer yeah yeah i mean uh you know at least we got reminiscence or whatever that's gonna be <laughs> I don't know if that'll be any good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I might. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll watch it. I'll watch it on HBO Max. I'm not seeing that in theater. Sorry, Hugh Jackman. I love you, but uh, no. Well, it's uh, not like I'm paying for it either. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, uh, for you guy, it's fine. Yeah, check it out if you want. I don't know. I, I'm very unenthusiastic about uh these two movies that we've been talking about. But speaking of Taika Waititi. Speaking of movies based off of books. Right, exactly. Uh, Movie of the week today. Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi. 2019. You may have heard of it. Uh, I'm going to read the premise, and uh, if you're like somebody who was at the theater that I was working at, um, you might be turned off by it, but we're going to explain why it's great right now. So the premise reads, a World War II it's a World War II satire that follows a lonely German boy whose worldview is turned upside down when he discovers a single mother is hiding a young Jewish girl in their attic. Ended by his idiotic imaginary friend Adolf Hitler, Jojo must confront his blind nationalism. Now, I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but 
I think we are dealing with a sort of Mel Brooks level satire with this movie, you know, where it oh. is stripping the power of these terrible people and these terrible events and like giving a really like this is a feel good movie by the end of the day, which I'm kind of shocked by. I wish uh, people uh, in the Academy and like critics recognized more movies like this because like comedies in, or comedy in its own sense is such a seriously uh, like a serious art form and one of like the best tools to fight off like oppression and blurance, just poking holes at these idiotic teachings of these people. Right. And Jojo Rabbit does that in all the best ways. Yeah. Just ripping apart the mindset of the Nazi party and just like how stupid and how brainwashy it really was back in the day while also providing us not only a completely hilarious movie, but a totally heartbreaking movie as well. He touches like on all the different emotions in one movie. Right. I think one of the best things about this, and I'll get like right right off the bat, is just the balance of it all. Because like, especially especially with a movie like this, like at least when I was working during this movie, like people did not want to see this based on the premise because they're like, "What imaginary Adolf Hitler? Like, how is this going to go down?" And the fact that it's able to balance that comedy and drama so well, like that, and I, I, that's kind of one of one of Taika's strong suits as a director, even with something, even with like hunt for the wilder people like it's still got that balance of comedy and drama so well and i'm excited to see what he does knowing that he can handle both of those really well oh absolutely i mean i think this is the best uh, besides his marvel work i think this is the the best attributes of his first like two of his first successful films it has the the expert level comedy of a what we do in the shadows while having the perfect coming of age story of hunt for the wilder people combined to make a product where it's really questioning like what, like what we, what is acceptable to laugh at. Right. And like, if you're able to just like, let it, let yourself go and like, enjoy the fact that like, this is a basically a film version of a middle finger to (laughs) like Nazi Germany. Right. uh, You, you'll enjoy it as much as me. This was my favorite movie of 2019. Yeah. I still think it should have won best picture. Yeah, it got a statue for his screenplay, which I think is the strongest aspect of this movie is is the perfect script that he's he was like he gave to these actors who elevated the product. But it's just it's it's flawless. It's like one of those flawless movies, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's really uh, I'm just impressed that it's able to work as well as it does. Um, And again, I think the thing that helps is. With, you know, obviously with our history and um, knowing how bad the events that were, like, Taika, to take on the role of Hitler is, like, just, and, like, that is one of the most, like, almost, like, it's high risk, high reward. Um, And I feel like, for the most part, he's, and again, the thing that's crazy about his performance is that, for the most part, his Hitler, he is playing it completely as a joke. Like, his mannerisms, his looks, like, mm-hmm. what he's doing in his performance is completely silly. But then there are moments where he is scary as Adolf Hitler. And that mm-hmm. is impressive. And I, I really, I got to commend him for that. I loved, I, I love when this was coming out, seeing all the interviews where he was talking about having to direct dressed as Hitler and, like, demand <laughs> and tell people what to do and tell them where to go. And he's right. like, it felt super awkward. And I can only imagine 
but it's just it's really it's a it's a crazy thing because like you compared it to Mel Brooks and I totally 100% agree with you. I also compare it to like a Monty Python sketch. Yeah. You, you would see the Monty Pythons doing something outrageous and subtle, like hiring like a New Zealand Maori half Russian Jew to play Hitler, who is notably not a fan of people like that. Right. Um, is like a subtle joke in and of itself, just casting himself. Yeah. And, and even the scene where they're just like heiling Hitler a, a ton of times where it's, I think that it's like a record 31 times in a minute. Yeah. Uh, that's literally something I, you, I would see, you would see in like a Monty Python sketch, just right. like they keep going and going and you're like, when is this going to end? They're going to do it for everyone. It's, it's hilarious. It keeps repeating. It keeps happening. Yeah. And like the joke builds upon itself. Right. Which is just one example of the expert writing. And then, then you have all the foreshadowing this is able to do. Like, like the, sh the shoe scene oh is so expertly placed oh my that God. It, when it happens, you realize why you know what happened. Like you realize, you don't realize what's happening in the moment when you see the shoes in the first place. But when yes. you see the shoes the second time, that's, you're like taken aback because you're like, that was so deliberate. I know exactly who that is, that it, it's an expert writing. Yeah. And I think that it's definitely one of the biggest like gut punches, not reveal. And it's so, again, like you're saying, it is, it is, it is there. If you're watching it your first time, you might not pick up on it, but in the back of your mind, you are. So that when that scene mm -hmm. happens immediately, you're like, Oh my God. Like that is, it's, it, I, I, I gotta agree with you. That is and it's just, even, I've even watched it with people where it's taken them a second where they're yeah. like, like we're seeing the shoes and I'm just like looking over there and they're like, what? And they go <gasps> like literally audible gas, like realizing what's happening. And it's just, it's, it's such, it's, it's comedy and tragedy, man. It's the, the, the two forever bat like battling aspects of film and, 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 and acting and all of that. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I, I, I really like, the fact that and it, the trailers had it marketed as and it, this is not the trailer's fault. I went in, uh, you know, I, I I was I was already on board when Taika Waititi was announced as director. I got season tickets to whatever he's doing, mm -hmm. but the trailer made it look like pretty much a comedy for most of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna have a good time. But then slowly but surely, like it starts, you know, peeling back the layers where it's really about like you know this kid JoJo like trying to fight his not like his uh you know, his brainwashing that he's had for, you know, being a Hitler fanatic, his fanaticism. He's trying to, it becomes a battle for his soul by the end of it. And I think mm -hmm. that's really, I, I appreciate the route that, that takes. Right. I totally agree with you because the trailers, yeah, they did sell it on the fact that, oh, Taika Waititi is playing funny imaginary <laughs> Hitler. Right. But like, when you get into the movie, you realize that's not the majority of the movie. He comes in for a punchline every once in a while. Right. All of which are welcomed and hilarious. Yeah. But the real driving force behind this movie is coming of age story yeah. of Jojo and his self battle, his internal battle with what he believes. Uh, right. And it's just crazy to think that there are like 6 million kids in Germany in real life that were all brainwashed in the same way to believe that they were just like better humans. And right. that like Jewish people had like horns and serpent tongues. Right. Like they, they played with that, but like, it was like, very like there was so much propaganda about yeah. 
the Jewish people during well, World War II. And, and especially when you're at a young age, you know, you're you're very corruptible to whatever. You're susceptible, you're exactly. Right. Exactly. And, you know, of course, he wants to be. No, no, there's a line later, um, and we'll, we'll get to Thomas and Mackenzie in a second. But her character, where she's like, you just want to be part of a club. You know, all boys want to be part of a club. And, you know, back in that day and age, like that was kind of what they saw as like, you know, the hot ticket. Perfectly subtly set up. Oh, sorry. Uh, but they perfectly set up just how lonely Jojo is in life. He has his friend Yoki, but like he 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 found I, he found him because of this little group, this Hitler youth group, the basically the Boy Scouts of Nazi Germany, which it's just it's it's crazy to think that like again that this was like very much based in real right. life. Right, right. It's funny until uh, it's not, you know, that sort of thing. And I mean right. it's you know. But then bringing it back, it's such, it's it just shows his expert or his talent, Taika Waititi's talent, that he is able to bring comedy to this just terrible situation. Right, right. Now let's 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 dig into the cast real quick. I wanna I wanna talk about mm-hmm. cast, how great this cast is. One of the best child performances I think I've ever seen from Roman Griffin Davis. Without him, like without. I don't know if this movie could work without him. Like he commands the movie from frame one and he's phenomenal. It's his first movie ever. What a, it's the what first a, thing he's, he had ever been in. What a debut. I am on board for whatever he does next. He's incredible Dude, in this hi, movie. Him and the, um, oh, the name's going to come to me. Just give me one second. His, his buddy, Yoki. Um, the, him, they remind me of a tiny uh, Simon Pagan. I was Frog. just going to say that. I was yeah. going to say Yorkie is like a yeah. miniature Nick Frog. I am excited it's to see when I do funny when I see them together. If we don't get another movie with those two boys, like in some kind of capacity, I will be very depressed. I want another Cornetto trilogy with Edgar Wright and have those two play the younger versions of uh, oh my Simon God. Pegg and uh, Nick Cross. It'd so be funny. It'd be incredible. Uh, yeah, Roman Griffin Davis, incredible, commands the movie. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, I, Thomas and Mackenzie, I think she steals the movie for me. I think she's my favorite performance. Um, now, I, I think this was the first thing I've seen her in. I know she's in a movie called Leave No Trace, and I haven't seen it, but I've heard she's very good in that. Um, but she's incredible in this movie as well. Yeah, she's in, definitely... Uh, Definitely she's, my first perform uh, performance of hers, but I she blew me away. She like she's so charming, and I know the movie from JoJo's mind she's terrifying, and I mean of course like why wouldn't she be? But she's so likable to the audience immediately right off the gate with the whole like you know you know what I am say it. And he's like a Jew, and she's like Gazunite, you know all that stuff. Oh my sold god, me. sold me. So I mean, funny, right? I I don't know. I think she's terrific. Um. I'm excited. And she's going to be in Last Night in Soho, so I'm so excited to see what she does. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's great. Uh, what are your thoughts on Scarlett Johansson in this movie? I think she was incredible, like totally snubbed. Uh, no disrespect to Laura Dern in Medridge Story, but Scarlett Johansson for the- was nominated for an Oscar for the first time twice in one year. Right. And, and she didn't win either and, of them. <laughs> and her performance in Jojo Rabbit, like yeah. not again, not to this Marriage Story, because she was fantastic in that. Right. The competition in that year was just insane. Oh yeah, uh, but I just i I wanted her. I wanted her, I wanted Jojo Rabbit to win everything at the Oscars, but that's, that's just my prerogative. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, I, I 
Scarlett Johansson is the heart of this movie, I think. And again, it, it's something where it it sneaks up on you on rewatch. And this is one of those movies that I think rewards you on rewatch too, because you're able to pick up on things. Um, especially being in a movie theater and you don't really have subtitles a lot. Uh, you know, most audiences mm-hmm. don't use subtitles. But like when you're watching again with subtitles, you're able to get past some of the accents um, and you're able to see like, uh, I, I, I caught on to things. But she's the heart of this movie. She's the reason... She and Thomas and Mackenzie's character are the reason that get JoJo to change, you know, and they're, yeah. she's so central to the story and she's just terrific. She's very funny. She's very, you know, she clearly cares about her son and is kind of the bright light in this movie so that, you know, and spoiler alert, but when she exits the movie, her presence is felt when she's not there, you know, it is, yeah. it's a gut punch. The movie slows down, yeah, like deliberately. There's even like a, oh, there, there's something I noticed again rewatching this was that in that se- in that sequence there is uh, they cut to like the roofs of the town square, right, with like li- all of which have like little small almost like attic windows that look like eyes. It yeah. make, they're, they each have sets of two. They look like as like various hiding Jews in the town right seeing what's happening to Jojo at that moment yeah and like observing the heartbreak that we are all observing right knowing what they're going through right and I think that moment again like it it doesn't it starts like not becoming a comedy after that point because you know shit just hit the fan like and obviously there's some jokes afterward but like it slows down and I'm very thankful for that um mm-hmm. because it finally allows you to like breathe for a second and realize like what's going on in this situation right. so, i mean obviously beforehand you're having a good time and the danger of oh my gosh are they going to find out that ilsa is hiding you know in the cabinet obviously but you know that's the scene where the stakes settle in you're like oh my god like what's going to happen and i i appreciate that he does that mm-hmm. um sam rockwell is just delightful in this movie i mean can you really ever hate sam rockwell no he's always great he, I, I lie, but he's like in just like a handful of years, like two years or so, has become like one of my favorite actors of all time. Right. Like in in and out, inside and outside of movies. Like I love Richard Jewell. I loved his uh, appearance in Vice. Right. I I and his character here in Jojo Rabbit is so redeemable. Right. At the end uh like taking off his coat saving jojo right before he makes like a life like right. ending sacrifice and like even throughout the movie you kind of get these weird tonal touches about like the fact that he's a gay nazi and isn't that right. like just counterproductive in and of itself yeah. but he's also this like war hero that wants to be on the front lines but just has like a bum <laughs> eye so right. he's stuck to wrangling kids and you feel that but yeah. you also feel by the end that he had this emotional connection to jojo um, and then the rest of the actors are kind of more supporting players. Rebel Wilson uh, plays one of the, you know, workers who works with Sam Rockwell. She's got a few funny lines. Alfie Allen plays, uh, it's kind of suggested that he and Sam Rockwell are together. He's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Merchant shows up pretty quickly as one of the Gestapo. Um, Super which, memorable scene in my yeah, opinion. He's, I love that scene. He's very scene. threatening, and that might be because of his height, uh, but, you know, also what the Gestapo represents, obviously. Um, but I keep thinking he looks a lot like uh, the bad guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark, who gets his face oh, melted at the end. Except super tall. Right, exactly. There's a height difference, but, you know, I keep thinking I he think looks like that. 
there's a scene where he's like looking down on Sam Rockwell. I'm pretty sure they uh, put him on like an apple box or something to make it even more dramatic. <laughs> they might have. I think they that's what they, I watched, a, I watched like a scene breakdown of that. And I think that's what they said. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. But I mean, uh, the cast is just excellent, but I, it's just a very smart movie. And there's just a lot of smart decisions made by characters in the movie. Like the whole, again, like we were talking about with the Gestapo scene, the whole, you know, um, where she decides, like, she knows that the Gestapo is going to find her. So she dresses up as Jojo's uh, dead sister, in- Inge or something. Um, I don't know how to say that name. But Inga or something. Inga, yeah. So something she dresses like up as her. And then, you know, they find her, they ask her to find her papers. And Sam Rockwell gets the, uh, you know, the, the her ID or whatever and asks the birth date. And she gets it wrong, but that's the moment that reveals that, like, Sam Rockwell is kind of on their side. He's yeah. also second-guessing his, the party he is a part of at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, there's so much going on, and it's just very, it doesn't treat the audience like idiots. It's very smart, you know? The whole sister thing, too, is you early on, you get, like, little mentions of her. You see her picture, and she does look a lot like Thompson McKenzie. So like it is sellable at that moment when they're having that scene that she could potentially be who this is. They're, they were friends, so she could have known her birthday and whatnot. Right. Uh, so that's just another example of just like this really, really great writing. Yeah, they set it up really well. Um, and then I, I also appreciate like, it, again, the end of the movie, there's a lot of jokes that are almost like horrific at that point because you start to realize like, again at that point you know shit's hit the fan like there's an actual war going on but there's a joke that just keeps like staying in my mind and it's when rebel wilson sends out the kid with like the grenade and she's like all right give the man a hug and you're like holy shit you know dude that's it's a callback because it in a scene or that was so in the scenes earlier when they were someone needs to walk the clones they were cloning little Aryan children and there were just a bunch of them and they were just sending them off with grenades because they were expendable at the point right so like it's it comes back full circle yeah and it's just it's so it's such a satisfying joke because it's just a good payoff right and you're like oh my god right and you know what rebel wilson everyone has their opinion i think she's super funny in a lot of the stuff that she's in yeah uh and this is the same uh I would I would consider it exactly equal as like most of her other performance. Yeah, I mean she's not well, she's not bad in this movie at all. I think she gets her she gets her funny lines and um she's just not in it that much for me to like leave an impression, and that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. She does what she needs to get done and uh gets out of it. Now, I don't have a ton. I know you did a lot more, uh you probably did a lot more research on fun facts. The only fun fact I have for you, and you probably already know this, um, did you know that Jojo uh uh Roman Griffin Davis's uh, and instru- acting coach was Rachel House, um, the lady who was. That's so funny. Yeah, I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, she's. Um, for those who don't know, Rachel House, she's worked with Taika Waititi and a lot of uh, his other stuff, um, which is delightful. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. Again, I think I saw an interview that where Taika mentioned that she was cut out of the movie too. Ah. Uh. To in a scene in the movie, and I went through my Blu-ray. Uh, and watch the deleted scenes and stuff. And it wasn't one of the three deleted scenes. So mm. I was a little bit bummed out. Right. But so I can't totally confirm that. But I think that I think that was the situation. She was already on set. Right. And she was helping Why the kids. So they threw her into a scene that ended up on the cutting room floor. Right. Right. All right. Uh, I know you got a bunch of notes. So hit me. Hit me with them. 
No, we definitely hit a lot of my talking points, but I will, I can talk more about on the Blu-ray, which like keep physical media alive. Hell yeah. So like I watched all the outtakes, hilarious, so yeah. many good funny bits. There was a moment where like Taika was as Hitler pooping knives. Very funny. <laughs> he, uh, he also mentioned he only gives himself the luxury of improvising. Everyone has else has to stay on script, which I thought was super hilarious. But the deleted scenes that we did get was there's like this weird other imaginary friend they introduced named Herman. And he was like a weird dead shaky pilot that refused to leave. So he was just like, Herman, get out of here. Herman, get get go. It's time to leave. So I get why that one was cut. They had a different goodbye scene between uh, Taika and or Hitler and Jojo. Like instead of the one where he gets kicked out the window, where which I loved is like this weird scene where it was like an extensive death scene, like like a cheesy, bad uh, like I'm seeing Taika was like just writhing on the floor. And I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> and then uh, there was one that was way too long where Taika Waititi was doing like the this little piggy thing. Uh, but like it was just weird and he was going on weird tangents. All of these <laughs> deleted scenes definitely got deleted sure. for a reason. Yeah, I think the level of comedy and Taika Waititi imaginary friend uh, that we got in the final product was absolutely perfect. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think adding another imaginary friend would have been a little distracting um, come the end of it. It would have been funny, but like, especially knowing right. what the imagine, knowing what imaginary Hitler like plays into the role of Jojo's psyche, like it would have been distracting at the end. Right. Um, uh, and then lastly, there was this thing called inside Jojo rabbit. It's literally like a 30 minute expose behind the scenes, all the right. actors and producers and creators right. talking about the projects and the different, like almost all the actors got a little highlighted section. So it was very, very much worth the watch. So if you do have Jojo rabbit or want to get a copy of Jojo rabbit after our stellar review, right. uh, I'd recommend just grabbing a Blu-ray copy and watching all this. There's also the option for an audio commentary from Taika Waititi, which is always funny. He does the best commentaries because oh, he yeah. never takes them seriously. Yeah. He's always just making it funnier. <laughs> uh, in this one, he actually calls, a couple of the cast members. I think he calls Rebel Wilson. He might call Sam Rockwell. I can't remember. But yeah, he's calling these people because he's just bored. He can't think of anything to say. So he just picks up his phone. He's like, hey, I'm doing an audio commentary. Catching them like <laughs> totally off guard. That's incredible. Very funny. Very like worth the watching. I always love like funny audio commentaries. Like we don't get a lot the of best. them. And Taika, he's he's delivered on those. Um I, my I favorite that... audio commentary. I I only my two favorites are like funny ones. One of them, Evil Dead, which is just Bruce Campbell just like riffing for like eighty minutes, and it's incredible. Mm. And then the other one uh, is Jonah of VeggieTales movie, where it's the guy is just voicing the VeggieTales characters doing the commentaries, uh, and it's the funniest shit I've ever seen. It was hilarious. I I have one like that where uh, the Space Jam DVD audio right. commentary has the guys who voice Bugs and Daffy, but then also they do bits as bugs and daffy in the comedy terry i i love that it, it's kind of it kind of sucks because there's some creators that just don't at like doing audio commentaries right like i don't think quentin tarantino does it very often if at no. all and no i don't think do the it. cohen the cohen brothers don't do it yeah they uh so i think that's a big old bummer but like because i always i i love watching movies but then also having a reason to re-watch the movies right. and getting that much more out of my rewatch. right 
Right. Because sometimes audio commentaries can point out things where you're like, oh my God, I didn't know that was there. You know, even after reading all the IMDb trivia, you know, you'll hear the commentary and you'll be like, whoa, I didn't know that. So, you right. know, that's always fun. Scott um, Pilgrim also has a really great. Yeah, they've got like three of them on there, right? I think so. The one I've listened to is the one with him and then Brian Leo Malley. That's the uh, one I've heard as well. The, the creator of the comics. Yeah. Yeah. Eventual I mean, Scott Pilgrim pod is coming up, by the way. Uh, little tease right right we'll get there um yeah but that's awesome uh now i want to bring up the ending of jojo rabbit real quick um because like we had said earlier uh uh jojo's final confrontation with hitler brings in the only uh f-bomb in the pg-13 movie which is one of the best pg-13 f-bombs ever in my opinion uh a literal fuck you hitler and he kicks him out in the window incredible dude some of those f some of those f words in those PG thirteen movies feel so forced and so unnatural and right. like then there's times like this where it's just uh, chef's kiss perfect the perfect thing the perfect thing to say um, perfect moment right. perfect follow up where he's like blasting through a window uh, it's yeah an epic moment and it all leads into like this happy ending the war's yeah. over right it is it and is such a satisfying conclusion like seeing the two of them like mm-hmm. slowly start to grin and dance and they play it's a german cover of the uh, heroes right david bowie mm-hmm. yeah like it, it, it's one of the best endings to a movie that year and an ending like in a year full of amazing endings like jojo rabbit's definitely one of the best in the pack like it, it leaves Dude. you with a smile on your face which you know for a movie about nazi children you don't get that that often but yeah totally yeah right like this is one of those World War II movies where you get a like genuinely happy ending. Right. Yeah, you don't get that at all. Uh, no, 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 you do not. But <laughs> yeah, it's like what you said there because compared to like lot, there were a lot of great 2019 films. Like uh, one that's jumping out at me is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had an amazing third act and it right. was so great on such a high note. Right. But like I'd still say Jojo Rabbit's build up to what like they were trying to do and their relationship and this love that he found and his change in mentality right. is so satisfying at the oh, end yeah. of Jojo Rabbit. It's yeah, just, you're rooting for him. Uh, it's so pleasing. You know, you're like, Oh, thank right. God. You Yana know, he's is... just naive. Right. Right. You know, he's just absorbing what he's being, what is being thrown out at him. And he's learned his lessons. He realized that he was wrong and in that moment, he obviously he lies to her at the beginning and then he reveals the truth. Right. But he's only lying because he doesn't want to lose his friend. Right. Exactly. And that's just so sad. That's so sad in and of itself. That moment. Oh, is she going to just walk away? But no, they're fine. They're going to dance and then everyone's going to be happy. Right. Exactly. And I like what I love the, the German dubs of the songs that that was yeah. such an awesome touch because right. like it opens with uh, the Beatles song dubbed in german which i think was an actual beatles recording and then i think so dale and it ends with bowie right so very very cool little touch that makes that like aesthetic and atmosphere of that film even more uh i don't know engulfing yeah that's a word yeah i'm yeah uh yeah i mean i if, if you haven't seen it yet, you should definitely check it out. Um, I don't know a lot of people who don't like this movie. Like, everyone I've talked to has really enjoyed it, even people who were skeptical going in. Yeah. Because um, it's just a cute movie, man. Like, it, at the end of the day, it's 
saying the right thing. And it's a very positive message of hope and love and all that good stuff. And it's very funny, but it's also got drama to it, like real, you know, genuine emotion to it, which is just impressive. Again, for a movie like this, you wouldn't expect it from first, uh, you know, I mean, and com- coming of age films are like uh, hit and miss. And like, oh, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of formulaic ones like the high school dramas and whatnot right. and all the Netflix garbage that they're putting out <laughs> that is supposed to be coming of age. Right. But who can relate to any of those movies? Kissing Moon 3, like, baby, let's go. Let's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a world with all of those movies, the fact that we have this now, like, again, like, uh, this amazing coming of age film that is unique in scenario that is funny that is uh uh, it it has something to say uh it's again a testament to the genius of taika watiti easily one of my favorite directors of all time yeah can't wait to see any and all things he does does original film sometime soon i know we get Love and Thunder next year, which I could not be more excited about. Right. I just heard talks that he's still in conversations about, is it uh, Akira adaptation? Which yeah. I'm very interested in. So I, like you said earlier, dude, I, I will be renewing my season tickets frequently right. to anything and everything Taika Waititi does, yeah. including and, his, just his acting performances. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a funny guy. Um, and I mean, like this really, I, I feel like this is really the movie that shows that he can, he, he'll be able to handle whatever is thrown at him. Obviously I, with stuff like what we do in the shadows and uh, hunt for the wilder people, like those have set him up in a way. And then Thor Ragnarok showed that he can do kind of the big stuff. Jojo Rabbit was kind of the perfect combination of all these things that really kind of mm-hmm. said, Hey, this is what I can do. And I really, I, I got to respect him for it. It's really, yeah. it's a really, really, really good movie. Um, and yeah, watch it if you haven't already. Jesus, um, what do you need me for? But, yeah. I, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite Taika Waititi movie. It's really hard to decide. And it's like, it's on a different day. It would probably be, I would tell you something different. Like yeah. I, Thor Ragnarok's my favorite MCU movie. Right. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows is my favorite movie, like a vampire movie, yeah. period. Right. Like I wa- I have to watch that one every Halloween and like I think Hunt for the Wilder People uh is is severely underrated. Yeah. And very funny. Oh yeah. Very very uh heart like touching in in its uh telling of the story of the, this boy and this guy, uh, man which right. sounds weird but watch the movie it's so great. Right. Um, Tyga's cameo in Hunt for the Wilder People is the funniest thing. I love his. No, name. the no Reese Darby's cameo <laughs> is the funniest thing in that movie, dude. Bushman. Yeah. Too funny. Uh, it's incredible. Right. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about Jojo Rem before we wrap? Uh, I'll say ha- uh, happy belated birthday, Tyka. As yeah. of recording this Tuesday on Monday, yesterday it was Tyka's birthday. Uh, uh, so I think that's point poignant I, I i genuinely think he's maybe the funniest and one of the most talented people in hollywood today oh yeah uh on and off like off screen like just as himself in interviews uh so i'm i really i don't i i'm i'm not excited for a miss i don't think anytime soon yeah yeah I... he got his misses out of the way early with green lantern right exactly. even though he didn't like make that you can only go up from here, really. Uh, right. I'm excited to see what he does next. Yeah, I'm excited for what we do in the Shadows season three. It's going to be incredible. Uh, I love the man. 
keep up the good work. Danke. You're super uh, excited. I know he's producing a, another FX. No, I know he's producing another FX show uh, called uh, Reservation uh, Dogs. Yeah, reservation. I, I almost I I keep wanting to say Reservoir Dogs. Right. Yeah. Funny enough, but yeah, Reservation Dogs, which is getting pretty good reviews. I might more than likely check that out just because it has his name attached to it. Right. That's kind of how I'm going to be treating his projects. From like he's involved. That's all I got. I, I don't there, know. There, there are a few directors out in Hollywood right now that like sell themselves on name alone. Right. You have your Nolans. You have your Tarantinos. You have your Spielbergs. Right. Your Scorseses. Taika's name has to be up there. I, definitely I need think... more people to know about him. I feel His like name this, deserves to be up there. This past decade has definitely proven that he is one of those. I feel mm-hmm. like, especially with what he's been doing. But yeah, completely agree. Definitely, completely agree. Well, Brent, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's happy to have you uh, again. We'll be coming back for the Scott Pilgrim Pod. It's coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. It's right. Gonna be crazy. That is going. That will more than likely be my next appearance. So get it. Get psyched oh yeah me and him we both have a deep love for that film so that'll be just as enthralling of the conversation soho and scott pilgrim it's coming it's gonna be incredible it's gonna be incredible it'll be an Edgar Wright bash that's right y'all ain't ready y'all ain't ready it's gonna be incredible yeah but uh yeah i guess that'll do it for this episode um if you guys want to keep checking out the pod, available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, anywhere you listen to it, we're there. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, we'll be back uh, next Friday, as always. Uh, everyone stay safe. Everyone have a good week, and we will see you next time. See you later. Bye.